Lucas on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. Those of us who follow Jesus believe that God speaks. Prayer isn't always a one-way conversation. But often he whispers and we wonder, is that him? Is he really there? And sometimes, much to our frustration, he seems to be silent. Some Christians try to encourage us with the news that we're just probably not listening attentively enough, that we need to pray more, read the Bible more, be more. And that just makes us feel even more frustrated. Perhaps some of us are in that place right now. We'd very much like to hear from God. And of course, we do have his voice in Scripture. But we'd like some specific guidance, some wisdom that isn't found in chapter and verse. So tonight, here on Lucas on Life, the whispers and silences of God, the sound of silence. It's a frustrating moment. You're having an important conversation on your smartphone when suddenly the line goes dead, usually at a critical place where they're just about to tell you that the baby has been born or the stock market has collapsed or some other vital piece of news. And so you yell into the phone, hello, hello, are you there? You cry when it's patently obvious that they're not there. Perhaps we even shake the phone as if agitating a digital chip will cause it to function more efficiently. It does not. Finally, we resign ourselves to reality because the call has dropped and we're left with nothing but the ominous sound of silence. Irritating. After over 40 years of being a follower of Jesus, I've heard countless claims that God has spoken to people, and I'm certainly not denying that he does. On a number of occasions, he has spoken to me with life-altering results. And of course, the Bible is filled with episodes of God speaking to humans. He talks. It's just that I'm not convinced that he is as talkative as some Christians make out. And when we suggest otherwise, a number of things happen. When God is painted as someone who is endlessly conversational, faith can be trivialized. If the king of the universe can tell me where to find a parking space, could he not also whisper a cure for cancer, a plan to tackle global warming that everyone will sign up to, or a way to deal with war and terrorism? Of course, in the face of the world's problems, any report of God speaking to us first world folks can seem strange. And if he is truly interested in helping his people park efficiently, then, well, who am I to question? But I often find myself wishing that the content of God's conversation with Christians would just be a bit more weighty. And then those who don't seem to have a super fast broadband connection to heaven can quickly feel guilty about their lack of hearing. What's wrong with us? Silence can indicate stony silence. We've upset the other party who aren't talking to us. We're being ignored, shut out, or so we feel. In times past, I've told others that I've found God to be quieter than I anticipated, only to be informed, sometimes tersely, that I just don't listen hard enough. Thanks a lot. I'm so glad I shared. Anyone who's been around Christian faith for long knows that madness is frequently justified by tossing down the ace card in the believer's pack, the God-told-me move. When we insist that we're acting in response to a divine command, 
we quickly shut down the possibility of being told that we might be wrong. Surely God has stamped our plans with his approval, we declare. Who are others to disagree? And let's agree that discerning the voice of God isn't always easy. I'm so encouraged by that Monty Python-esque story of young Samuel, who, repeatedly woken up by the voice of God, repeatedly woke up Eli as he heard a voice but was confused about the source. Of course, there's a pendulum swing reaction to the craziness, and that comes when we are automatically dismissive of anyone who says that God has spoken. But these days, I'm becoming more content with the sound of silence. It reminds me that this is not all that there is, that a day is coming when our blurred vision of Jesus, myopic because we see him by faith, will be corrected. We will see him as he is and hear him clearly, undistracted by the noise of this side of eternity. The silence draws me back to the strong, secure voice of Scripture. I'm nudged to consider that his voice might be discovered in unexpected places, like that kind email I received earlier today or that walk in the country. And I'm heartened by the late, great Oswald Chambers' encouragement that sometimes God trusts us with silence. Now, that's worth thinking about a little more. But all of this should never block our ears. While we are not unnerved by silence, still we posture ourselves for the possibility of his voice. It was young Samuel who prayed, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, that's not a bad prayer to pray. Fishing has never been my thing because I just can't see the attraction of trudging out into the cold countryside and parking oneself in a canvas cubicle at the side of a murky river for three days. There we will sit, unwashed and therefore helpfully alone, the rod cast hopefully, feverishly anticipating the nibble of passing aquatic specimens. On the few occasions that I ventured into fishing, I caught little, which didn't bother me because I expected little. No, fishing is just not my thing. However, fishing was the profession of several of Jesus' disciples. They were very good at knowing where, when and how to fish. Fishing usually took place at night in ancient Galilee, enabling fishermen to sell their catch first thing in the morning, if there was a catch, that is. One very dark night, a huddle of exhausted, confused professional fishermen plus a few other team members who came from other career paths, decided to fish. But there was huge disappointment in store. At the end of hours of back-breaking toil, their nets were empty, and worse still, as they neared the shore, they faced the embarrassment of being quizzed by a total stranger standing there on the beach, asking them how they'd done. Friends, haven't you any fish? said Jesus. You can read the story in John chapter 21. They might have been tempted to say, no, and thanks a lot for asking, pal. How different it would have been had I been asked to choreograph this post-resurrection appearance of Jesus, because I would have hired a whole host of angels to sway on the beach and sing the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah, prophetically, since it hadn't been composed yet. Oh, and the red arrows would swoop overhead, billowing red and blue smoke that spelled out the words, Yep, he is risen, across the sky. The stranger was Jesus, but he came 
quietly. They didn't recognize him. This natural, unassuming manner of his was consistent. In the garden on Easter morning, the one who had just triumphed in the greatest cosmic battle of history was mistaken for a gardener. Later, walking with that unhappy pair on the Emmaus Road, Jesus didn't reveal who he was and politely waited for their insistent beckoning before joining them for supper. After following Jesus for a while, my conclusion is, as I said earlier, that God is not as obvious or chatty for that matter as we sometimes depict him. He whispers, hints, nudges, weaving prophetic riddles through dreams. At times, this makes me feel less like a disciple and more like a detective on the hunt for clues. There were those rare epic occasions in Scripture where his voice boomed and the earth shattered, occasions made into movies, usually starring Charlton Heston, but they were few and far between. To be honest, I wish God would speak up a little more, I wish that once in a while he would kick the door of my life in and make himself at home. And even saying that, I braced myself for some feedback from listeners, even an onslaught. Again, some will gently advise me that I'm just not listening hard enough. And, you know, they may be right. God stands at the door and knocks, but he knocks not with a pounding fist, but sometimes with the lightest of taps. When his knuckles, figuratively speaking, rap on my door, I do want to be listening and swift to answer. Meanwhile, back on that John chapter 21 beach, an Easter breakfast was shared as fish and bread were served, past shame was resolved for Peter, calling was reaffirmed, and when the meal was all over, their course was set to change the planet. Bewildered, overwhelmed disciples who hadn't even been able to deliver what they were supposed to be good at, that's fishing, they were charged with telling the world the awesome news that death was finally done with and everything was different. Angels play a vital part in the unfolding fight between darkness and light, but God calls humans tired, bleary-eyed, is he really there, is he silent, humans like us, to carry the good news at a time when... Let's all agree, it's so desperately needed. So again, let's look for him, listen harder, but also trust when he can't be seen or heard and be able to say, whatever the season, it is well with my soul. We've been talking about God talking and about the times when he's silent. And as I said earlier, I've heard a phrase banded around a lot in Christian circles, the Lord told me. I'm sure we've all met those breathlessly confident souls who imply that everything they do is directed by the voice of God. It's not just that the Almighty is on speaking terms with them, but he's apparently very, very chatty indeed, seemingly issuing commands about the minute details of their everyday life. It's difficult to question them because, like the Blues Brothers, they're on a mission from God and they're rather insistent about their frequent revelations. Sometimes they affirm that God has told them to do bizarre and illogical things, which stifles any discussion or potential disagreement. Those who insist that God is an extraterrestrial tweeter can inflict great pain. 
I remember being in a church service when an enthusiastic lady grabbed a guitar and shared a song she declared that the Lord had spoken and given to her the night before. And now he was speaking again, instructing her to share it with us all. Eleven unpoetic verses and a chorus that involves some high-pitched shrieking, the shell-shocked congregation privately concluded that if the Lord had indeed given the lady that song, it was probably because he didn't want it. But sometimes the pain goes deeper than the eardrums. I've been given more than my fair share of prophecies that were utterly incomprehensible, which is awkward when you're on the receiving end. It's difficult to know how to respond when a wannabe prophet announces something that's completely incomprehensible and then says, does this mean anything to you? All of this means that we can tend to veer towards cynicism when people announce that God has told them something, that he has spoken. But that's an unhelpful overreaction. Healthy skepticism is useful when people announce that they've heard the word of the Lord because we need to test and prove what is offered rather than swallowing it wholesale. Spirituality is a call to abandon everything, but not to kiss our brains goodbye. But I want to stay open to God speaking to me through others and be available to those subtle nudges, impressions, hunches and prompts that sometimes are the direct work of the Holy Spirit in us. To miss that might be really tragic as I learned when I met Peter and Reiki. For them, a hint from heaven was literally a lifesaver. A bright, joyful married couple now living in Spain, Peter and Reiki's easy smiles and relaxed demeanor could suggest that they'd had a carefree life, which they have not. Sharing during a retreat that I led, Reiki described her childhood as a catalogue of sexual abuse. Her description was stark. Growing up, abuse seemed to follow me, she said. And then came the dark day when, home alone, Reiki was raped by a man who'd been doing some casual work around their house. Threatening her, he began the awful assault. Reiki's one-year-old child was in the next room, and she feared for the safety of her baby, and said so. But it was then that the telephone rang, and rang again, and again. It was her husband, Peter, who was at work. There was absolutely no reason for him to be calling because Reiki was supposed to be out collecting the children in the late afternoon school run. But Peter could not escape a persistent, overwhelming urge, a nudge, a compelling nudge, to call home. And so he just kept calling. When there was no reply, Peter hung up and called again. Reiki's attacker distracted by the constant jangling of the phone, abandoned the assault and made his escape. Who knows what might have happened if the phone had not rang, if Peter had not responded to the inner nudge that he did. The day before the incident, which was anything but incidental, Peter had felt that he should specifically pray that God would protect Reiki. And then for 21 long years that followed that terrible day, he had wrestled with anger towards God because the attack had happened. But then during our retreat together, it suddenly dawned on him. 
he had been the answer to his own prayer. Obviously, the answer was not as he would have wanted it. He would have preferred that the attack had never happened in the first place. But that whisper from God, that internal nudge, brought intervention into what might have been an even worse tragedy. You know, as I close this evening's program, lest this all seems a little too neat, let's acknowledge that God doesn't always speak, intervene or rescue. The telephone doesn't always ring at the vital moment. Today, awful things will be happening to people, not only to good people, but to some of God's people. Peter and Reiki's story doesn't guarantee that God will always be the knight in shining armour. No telephone rang during the traumatic episodes in her childhood. Some of my listeners might feel a touch or a surge of anger as I tell their story because you have suffered terrible abuse and no phone rang for you. I don't know why it is that that happened. I know this for sure. It was certainly not your fault. But even though answered prayer always presents difficulty because every answer begs the question, well, then why was that plea for help not answered? Nevertheless, Peter's obedience to that nudge teaches us this. God still speaks. E.T. is famous for the phrase, phone home. But as I've said at the beginning of tonight's program, if God wants to whisper or do anything else to give me an inkling, a hint or a nudge, I'd like to be someone who has ears to hear and a readiness to respond. Perhaps some of the issues that we've talked about tonight have impacted you personally and you'd like to talk, perhaps pray with someone and you'd like to talk and perhaps pray with somebody. Our Premier Lifeline is available 0300 0101. That's 0300 111 0101. Thanks so much for joining me. See you next week.